As we celebrate this historical election, I can't help but reflect on four years ago when my life changed forever. I had recently had my third child and first daughter after two boys. Trump was inaugurated two days before my daughter's first birthday, and I couldn't help but feel the shift in the universe that happened, like many did. And then out of nowhere and all of a sudden everywhere, I was presented the opportunity to join a group of believers who were on mission towards racial reconciliation through a ministry called Be the Bridge, started by Latasha Morrison. This group is where I met someone who would come to be one of my dearest friends and a true ally. We're so grateful she's taken the time to chat with me about the post-election happenings and most importantly, what it means to be anti-racist. Welcome, Claire Necessary. Hey, Claire, what's up? Thanks for joining us. Hi. Thanks for joining me. <laughs> Hello. Let's so first excited. explain. Yes, I'm so excited too. <laughs> um, I, I just want to first explain that to the audience mm-hmm. that, you know, I wouldn't say you necessarily got your name from Claire Huxtable, you know, so let's just Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> no, I uh, am not named after her because um, I am white, so... <laughs> We can get that out of the way. No beating around the bush there. I am <laughs> actually very white. When we did our DNA test, it was pretty much as white as white white can be. Yeah. <laughs> nice. Um, yeah, I just <laughs> didn't want to beat around the bush there and just, you know, making it very clear our conversation's intentional today, just about our friendship and um, mm-hmm. the, the differences you know, the different perspectives and experiences we're bringing to it. So, um, yes, Claire is white. So, (laughs) (laughs) um, yeah. So I remember, you know, meeting you for the first time and, and my first impression of you. And I thought this woman is not playing around whatsoever. She is mad as hell and holding Christians accountable. And you were attending a large church in Metro Atlanta at the time. And we're yes. frankly over it. And yes. I thought, wow, yeah. maybe if a white girl can see these falsehoods happening in the white and multiracial mm-hmm. churches, then maybe there is a tide changing somewhere. Yeah. And yeah. Um, maybe there's still hope, you know, after the election of 2016. Do you remember mm-hmm. your impression of me? I know I would come to those meetings just like so tired, half awake. I was still nursing my daughter. Through the night, my husband wasn't walking because he had an Achilles tendon tear and surgery, and yeah. I was barely getting myself to attend. But yeah, um, well, that did not strike. Like I didn't, I didn't get the impression at all that you were tired in any way or had new babies and all or any of that. Yeah. <laughs> um, and that really was such a special time, I think. And I always look back on that that group as really really sacred and special and a a real turning point for me um in Mm. so many ways not I mean obviously on my racial awakening and journey but also in so many other spiritual ways but I think my my first impression of you was I wanted to hear from you as much as possible in that group, in that setting, because, uh, because you are biracial and the group, mm-hmm. um, you know, just for everybody who's listening, the, 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 the rough demographics were black and white, mainly, um, mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. majority black and white. And then, um, yeah. and then Shannon and where, was there mm-hmm. another 
biracial person in the group? I cannot recall. Um, we have we have one friend who's multiracial, mm-hmm. um, uh, black mm-hmm. and oh yes, that's right. Um, yeah. So yeah, I so I just felt black and mm-hmm. Asian. Yeah, that's right. Um, but I remember one of the first times that you spoke in the group, the person who asked you a question, another one of our friends, met, right away she was like, I just want to stop and hear from Shannon right now because I want that unique biracial experience to be voiced. And I remember thinking, yeah, that's what I want too. Mm-hmm. And um <laughs> and so, I remember thinking, oh, sh-. Like, <laughs> at the time I was not, not as, yeah. I would say I was not as bold as I am now. Yeah. I wasn't embracing my unique mm-hmm. voice or perspective as much mm-hmm. then. Mm-hmm. And I felt very like how I felt most of my life, which is I'm going to offend somebody. So I'll yeah. just not say much. Yeah. And now I'm like, no matter what, mm-hmm. that's the case. So just mm-hmm. speak your truth. Just yeah. speak your voice. Right. Yeah. And, um, yeah, so I think the group and that, and even that like moment and Mm -hmm. different moments like that helped, helped kind of get me to where I am now Mm -hmm. where I'm much more vocal, but yeah, yeah, continue. Sorry. Yeah. That was a big moment. So I just remember, I I mean, it was almost like I was just hanging on your every word. (laughs) I mean, I'm not, not to sound too trite or anything, but I really, um, it it was it, it is a unique opportunity to hear from people that are biracial or multiracial cuz especially when mm-hmm. you're you're all gathered there for that one purpose of having these types of brave conversations and so i just i, I do remember being struck by that maybe for one of the first times in my life of okay here we have someone who's literally can speak to something totally different and add mm-hmm. such a unique voice to 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 what we're talking about. So, mm-hmm. um, and I guess that's especially in the South and in the mm-hmm. where in in communities that are really segregated, and mm-hmm. the church especially has been extremely segregated. Mm-hmm. <laughs> so, yeah. um, and as Christians, we're kind of challenged to address all of the disparities of society Mm -hmm. you know it's like if you're not addressing them or not thinking about them or seeing them it's it's an issue so Mm -hmm. you know reluctantly I think some people were reluctant to have the conversation but knew they needed to be there somewhere yeah like just mad and wanted to be there voice themselves somewhere Mm -hmm. you know for me I was as I might have been timid but I also Mm -hmm. was really grateful for the conversation for this mm-hmm. happening because it's obviously what I've wanted well not maybe not obviously but to me it was obviously what something I always wanted to be happy my whole life mm-hmm. you know but it was just like there was no real opportunities it didn't seem like yeah happening so it was a really it's a breakthrough ministry yeah. Um, for its time. And now there's, it seems to be growing in different, um, different ways. Yeah. Definitely the ministry has grown, but a lot of other people are taking initiative and having these type of conversations too, intentional conversations, yeah. I should say. And yeah. And that, I think that just, I mean, our friendship grew definitely out of that. And we mm-hmm. now 
I mean, we always talk about race in this country and yeah. the state and the city of Atlanta. Mm-hmm. And um, so I just wanted to bring some of that raw and honest discussion here today and, um, and maybe help others see that it is possible yeah. to face the truth together mm-hmm. and having these different racial experiences. And, yeah. um, and I know, you know, many of the biracial and multiracial community, um, there are parts that may only interact with the you know one race Mm -hmm. group race within their family unit Mm -hmm. and outside of that in their community they might not be interacting with that particular race and so it's it's a little different when it's just within your family you know yeah (laughs) um you know it's the family brings just a different perspective obviously you know if God willing, there's love there Mm -hmm. and it's just a different um, emotion, right? And intention. But I can. But when you're talking amongst Mm -hmm. strangers Mm -hmm. that, you know, are sharing their stories and perspectives for the first time, Mm -hmm. um, it's a little bit more challenging. So, yeah. Um, What is it that brought you specifically to that, to that conversation about racial reconciliation with Be the Bridge? Yeah. Amongst church folks specifically, I'll say. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Um, I think uh, what, what led me to be the bridge in the first place was just this uh, intensity to, you know, learn as much as I could and like find someone who was saying something that was true. Because for all of the years up until that moment in time, and then I'm talking about the years that I, you know, in the church, um, it was completely, completely a non-issue. It was like it did not exist. Mm-hmm. Um, it, it was not ever talked about in any way, shape or form. Mm. And even I remember, you know, when we moved to Atlanta, feeling like that was the first time in my, in my life within the church that Mm -hmm. I felt like I was at a quote, diverse church. I'm using air quotes because it actually was not a diverse church, really. Um, Mm -hmm. I mean, there were slight change in demographics, from what I was used to, but that's mm-hmm. because I was used to, I had grown up in a completely segregated church environment. So right. all, all white completely. So, um, so that in, that was a, a growth moment because I was like, Oh wow, this can happen. This, mm-hmm. and it was very, you know, very poly. And I was like, wow, this is so <laughs> amazing. So great. So, mm-hmm. so at first I was like, wow, this is post-racial blog, you know, right? Um, but very quickly, you know, just, I think when you say I was mad and not messing around, I very quickly came to that place <laughs> of yeah. what is this nonsense? Um, we, <laughs> we cannot, we cannot stay here. We have to, you know, the church has to, you know, step up, do its reckoning, like get to mm-hmm. the bottom of the bottom of the bottom immediately. Yeah. So, um, so and let's just bridge. insert mm-hmm. here real quick, just like, mm-hmm. you know, how white churches 
are saying they're multiracial because they have sprinkles, so to speak, right? Yeah. And that's not really what the multiracial experience is intended to be at all, whatsoever. When you have Mm -hmm. a majority Mm -hmm. white leadership, you have Espanol in another room Mm -hmm. somewhere on campus. And, Mm -hmm. you know, Mm -hmm. it's like, what's happening? What's really happening here, people? So anyways. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Yeah. So I think once white people you know, once they begin to learn about white identity and mm-hmm. white culture, it becomes very obvious mm-hmm. that like, oh, okay, I guess this is just a, another version mm-hmm. of white culture, you mm-hmm. know, dominant culture. It, this is not what I, what I, you know, what I had hoped or, you know, naively perceived. And when I say naive, I just mean in the particular, you know, part of yeah. your journey that you're on. Um, so, um, so yeah, when I, when I found me the bridge, I was just incredibly grateful. And it was a very, you know, it was a crash course in, in waking up to many, many things. And so I had been waiting and waiting and, uh, you know, on the lookout for group, like in-person groups. Cause that's, that's, you know, what this, what this was in case I'm just saying that in case people don't realize what it was, it was a small group of people who would meet together to have in-person conversations. Mm-hmm. Um, so I was just excited um, and so just eager. I think eager is the best word to have the opportunity to 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 connect with people and yeah. in relationship to um, not just through a oh we're going to do this study and meet every you know every Tuesday for eight weeks, but it, it's a very relational thing and it's uh, it can be very powerful. So, yeah, definitely. Um, yeah. And, you know, obviously we met in Atlanta, but you now live in Dothan, Alabama mm-hmm. with your husband and two boys. Yes. <laughs> can you talk a little bit about yes. what bridge building has been like for you in Dothan? Yeah, well, it has been um, really, you know, we moved in the middle of COVID. And so that has been, I, I think, the biggest challenge to um, to bridge building. Because for me, bri- bridge building is mm-hmm. connecting mm-hmm. with people. Um, so it looks, it it has looked very different and um, not ideal because you know a lot of the people that I've connected with to do like you know, to create intentional, very intentional connections, it's been a phone call or a Skype or a FaceTime Mm -hmm. or whatever. So although I am so grateful to have made a lot of really great connections to people who are doing really great work here, some of the people I still haven't met in real life. Uh So that's still, that's still very, you know, it just, it's hard for, for, for all of us. And it, it does kind of, it makes me kind of, um, you know, it makes me sad, but at the same time, like, um, Dothan is much smaller than Atlanta. So the population is about, um, oh my gosh, I can't think of the population right now, but it's around 70. Oh, wow. I think we'll have, yeah, yeah. (laughs) I don't know. Um, it's smaller, you know, it's a, it's a mid-sized town. And so, on one on, on the one hand, it it does make it easier to connect with people because of the smaller population. Yeah. Because 
you know, I have found that um, the people who are doing a lot of great works, either at a church or with in the community or whatever it is, they already know the people that are like-minded and have the same passions. Mm -hmm. (laughs) So, so what, what has happened is I've met one person and they're like, oh, you need to meet so-and-so. And then they're like, oh yes, have you met so-and-so? Have you met so-and-so? And And they all kind of, you know, because it's a smaller place, there are a lot of awareness of what all these different people are doing. So that's one thing that's been, um, I think it's, you know, has really contributed to the fact that I already feel, I, I do feel as connected, I think, as I can be moving, you know, relocating in the middle of a pandemic and with school being remote and, you know, uh, all the yeah. limitations of life right now that we have. Um, it's just that like people, there are a lot of people doing a lot of great things and they're, they are, they're aware mm-hmm. of each other. Um, so but it, you know, it, bridge building for me now here in Alabama looks like creating relationships and making connections um, within, um, like, the. I'm in a book club with a lot of white women okay. right now, and we're reading cast, mm. and so that's kind of a big like. Um, that's mainly a space of learning education, you know, just the continuous, you know, anti-journey, anti-racist journey of always learning, always, you know, continuously learning about history, continuously learning about what, you know, the, the great, you know, the best things that the new materials that people are putting out, which um, is really great. And as that's a big part of, my anti-racist journey will and, and yes. will always be is the continuing <laughs> and yeah never ending never ending um and then um you know I've connected with different people like um that are more involved in politics here um which the politics here are very um very it, it's the the they're very distinct <laughs> Republican and if you identify <laughs> there it's very Republican and if you if you do happen to identify as Democrat it's very it's seen as oh it's very um there's not a lot of mm. Democrats it is you know vast majority it's very very red and, the, so, and that's for any deviation to mm-hmm. that you see or how is well, that? Well, no, not so much that I, that I see. I think it is more of the black community okay. is blue um, for the but most part, but not all city. Would you say? Okay. Gotcha. Mm-hmm. Well, no, the demographics of the city are not majority. I mean, I, I think it's okay. slight majority uh, white. Okay. And black, and then because we're also close to an air force yeah. base, there is a little bit more um, diversity okay. because of that I think maybe compared to some of the other like um, towns that are in the very south. So the the city, just for people who don't know where it's, it's like very close to Florida. It's in the very southeastern corner yeah. of Alabama. So we're talking, you know, just an hour yeah. down from the coast. So um, 
but because of the Air Force Base, um, I think that is, you know, there's a little more diversity yeah. in the area. Um, Interesting. So there's a majority mm-hmm. culture on a lot of levels, it sounds like, and majority Christian. Yes. Probably. And- yes, it is very, and it is very much a place where there are a ton mm. of churches and when you, it's it's one of those places where when you first meet someone one of the first things they ask you is well where do yeah. you go to church i mean it's it's uh it's assumed that you know you you automatically mm-hmm. go to our church it's assumed that you're christian so it's very um you know it's like very old bible belt southern mm-hmm. in that way um and like there are a lot of churches um interesting and what do you feel so in your in your group your your book club group and mm-hmm. it being white women you mm-hmm. know do you find that they mm-hmm. because let me back up in a lot of our discussions we mm-hmm. have talked about how there is so much there has been so much responsibility put on black women to have this conversation or people mm-hmm. of color like to have the burden of mm-hmm. being the ones to reach out and to be you know um Mm-hmm. you know as Michelle Obama says we go high they go low we go high you know like we're right. always having to yeah keep our head up shoulders back mm-hmm. like and step in the room even if we're the only one there and try to just mm-hmm. you know carry the brunt of this responsibility mm-hmm. to or have the conversation in a graceful mm-hmm. way in a forgiving way and all of these situations and you know, mm-hmm. we're saying it's, it's, the, it's white people's turns. It's white women's turn to mm-hmm. <clears throat> start taking yeah. this burden off of mm-hmm. uh, specifically women of color and black women's shoulders. Do you find that mm-hmm. yeah. the women in your groups are embracing that or realizing that? Mm-hmm. Yeah, I would say Yes. Um, especially in this, so I'm in the second round mm-hmm. since moving here. So I'm on my second group, which, uh, some of the same people, but slightly different people just, you know, based on who could do it and who wanted to continue mm-hmm. doing it. But I do find a strong mm-hmm. commitment to that mm-hmm. with these women. And this group is, it's all white yeah. women right now. And so it's definitely. That's a, so different um, for you, by the way, because. <laughs> Yes, it is. I mean, it is. Um, yeah, yeah. And but the thing, another thing about Dothan is it's still so segregated that, um, like we happen to live in a neighborhood that happens to be diverse, but that's because the neighborhood we live in is more of like Mm -hmm. people moving here from different places. Like it's got a lot of transplants. And, but a lot of the city is still like, I mean, 100% by neighborhood racially segregated. And so there's, there, the vast majority of the population is, you know, they struggle to build uh, cross racial Mm -hmm. relationships in a, in a meaningful way, because if, you know, because of this way Mm -hmm. it's set up, I mean, and so that's a really, really Mm -hmm. big deal here. Um, but yes, this, this group is all white and I will say I've been very heartened by this group of women and I've been grateful to connect with them because, 
um, you know, a lot of them, it's like they, they have been wanting to have these conversations and just for a lot of different reasons, Mm -hmm. it wasn't happening. So they're, they're very, um, like I said, very committed, very, um, eager to learn and kind of figure out what their unique role in, in this town will be to, you know, continue to combat Mm -hmm. white supremacy. Um, and so, um, it's, it, it's encouraging and it it is different. Um, but I find it to be very, um, you know, this, this question of white women figuring out what they need to step up and do, uh, I think is happening in this group. And, um, I think there's, you know, there's a lot of learning that's taking place, but a lot of like, also like brainstorming of like, okay, well, I'm on this committee, so uh, Mm -hmm. I could do this. I can be an advocate in this, you know, board that I sit on. Or I can be, you know, I'm involved in uh, this school leadership here. So I can definitely take what I'm learning and and continue to be a voice in that setting. Um, And you know, I, I think it's, um, I would okay. say it's going well. <laughs> um, yeah. In order to have the discussions, I guess, you know, too, proximity is huge <laughs> for, you know, mm-hmm. for that to happen. And, um, but it does start, you know, conversations yeah. need to change amongst the white community mm-hmm. um, in and of itself. And, you know, I know the discussions, you know, they're not easy. And I think a lot of biracial people specifically who have half mm-hmm. of their family that is white, um, there's mm-hmm. no trying to do a completely segregated life. Maybe in adulthood, you can, yeah. you know, uh, be more mm-hmm. in, in one race over the other. But, um, you know, I, for one, grew up mostly around my white extended family and there was a lot of processing that mm-hmm. I've had to do yeah to try to understand and recover from um and it might sound super harsh but you know mm-hmm. people to people in my white family but the fact of the matter is is that you know I'm still recovering from a bit of trauma that is really hard to say mm-hmm. you know now but um yeah. I know the intention may have been coming from such a loving place but for me with my white mm-hmm. family who are Christians and loved me my entire life, it was often hard to comprehend their racism, you know, and, yeah, and for, for them to admit that even, um, especially when, mm-hmm. you know, they, because they have a few black family members there and they think mm-hmm. because of their proximity that they're not racist, mm-hmm. And because they naturally love right. these family members, but necess- not necessarily loving black right. people as a whole, you know, um, right. As Christians, right. when you should love everyone. Right. But so I don't know, there's just so many different yeah. 
conversations <laughs> within, but um, yeah, you know, yeah, definitely like having to make the intention to insert yourself into those uncomfortable, maybe where you are the minority situations. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. I think everyone should try to experience for themselves at some point, whether it's like if you go to church, attend oh, yeah. another church, maybe mm-hmm. with, mm-hmm. you know, reach out to the staff mm-hmm. at the other church. Yeah. Just try to have a conversation that way if you don't feel comfortable going, you know, on a Sunday, just inserting yourself in someone else's yeah. experience. <laughs> but, um, you know, yeah, I don't know. I try to throw out ideas, but also know that everyone has to kind of come to find that out themselves, you know, and um, have you felt that you've had to distance yourself from family members, white family members? Don't you love cliffhangers? The segment ends there, but you can hear the answer to my question for Claire in episode 18 with part two of this conversation. I can't wait for you to hear more as we go even deeper into the life of racial bridge building and anti-racism. Make sure to send your thoughts and questions on social or our website. Mixed Life ATL is recorded in Atlanta, Georgia and produced by SDB360 LLC. We can be heard on Anchor, Spotify, Apple Podcasts, and wherever mainstream podcasts can be found. For information on how to advertise your business on this podcast, please message us at mixlifeatl.com.